Doing good? Good stuff. If this is your first time, my name's Jason, and um, I lead the vineyard. They call me the pastor as well as other things. And uh, I lead with my wife, Michelle, who's not here this morning. I want to tell you an exciting story. Um, what they've been up to, this has been a great summer. I don't know, um, sometimes we think summer is um, quiet and down. It is a great place to rest, but I've always found that even when you're resting, God is working. And that's what it's all about. Scripture tells us that when the farmer, while he sleeps or wakes, that seed, seed grows and harvest comes. And that's, that's, he's talking about the kingdom. It's a story about the kingdom of heaven. That God's constant work. It's not this religious striving and this religious trying, but it's God and it's the awareness of God, what he's doing. And that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus, just being aware of him, putting your hand in his hand and joining him and seeing the world become a flourishing place and seeing broken lives transformed. Isn't that, isn't that the story of God? And so over the summer, we kicked off um, in June, way back in June, with Give It Aid to Dungannon, right? Incredible day of just servanthood and rolling your sleeves up and getting involved in, in just hard work. I'm, first time I took a bath in a long time was that night and uh, put the radox in and got myself, you know, as Bear Grylls would do, um, a wee glass of martini and just relaxed in the bath with a candle. And, uh, and, and from that, we've had made some incredible friendships and contacts, and I don't know, not to embarrass him, but there's a gentleman who came that evening for the crash meal, and um, not to put any pressure on him, I've never seen him miss a Sunday here yet, and he has an incredible story. It's just one of those stories. And then we had crash just last week, and then before that, we had a team that went out to India to serve a really poor and broken and forgotten abandoned children with Sarah's Covenant home. And they give, rolled up their sleeves, went out of their way, went beyond the call of duty, went beyond of what was expected of them, and just served their hearts out loving children and uh, seeing their lives being transformed, literally seeing lives transformed. And then this week we had uh, a team head out to Calais, and that's the story I want to tell you this morning because it's the newest one, and it's our freshest story. So... Um, I just, let, just want to say to you, this is an announcement this morning, by the way. The, or this is just family time. There are no announcements, I should say. Uh, doesn't the world feel better with football being back on? And, and there's, isn't there something comforting about match at the end of Saturday night? No? Just, I don't know what it is, but I feel warm. I feel secure. I feel safe again. I know there's life beyond that. And I trust Jesus that he's got the first in my life and all that there stuff. But okay, maybe not everybody's experience. But during the day, Irish League football started back again, and Michelle started to text me and send these stories. And she told me this incredible story yesterday. They went out. There's a team out in Cali working with refugees, uh, serving. They give away loads of food, made sandwiches, tea, coffee, all day, just serving, serving, serving. And they noticed uh, a group of men who were hanging about, who were very interested in the conversation, uh, very interested in why they were there, why the team was there. And uh, they kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And uh, so they waited till everybody was gone. And then they approached uh, Michelle and the other team members and said they were Christians from Iran. And one of the guys who fled from Iran because he started a, a house church. Uh, and that's the only church you could actually start, by the way. So we have this freedom to gather in, in schools and clubs and pubs and chapels and beautiful buildings here all over this beautiful island, but that's not the case for many people who proclaim the name of Jesus costs them so much more. 
So the conversation went on a little more, and um, fast forward, I want to introduce you to them. This was a result of a conversation yesterday. quite powerful, isn't it? For those of you who think we're just looking at four people on a beach, it's not quite the case. Those men, three men who risked their lives to come to serve Jesus and give their name to Jesus, fled the country, and the very afternoon they had a conversation, they asked, could they be baptized? No baptism classes, no thinking about it. No thinking about what will my parents think, what am I tied to, what is my emotional link, what is my belief system, what is my heritage, what is my tradition. Their alliance and their religion was Jesus Christ as Lord. And to say Jesus Christ as Lord is to give him the first in your life. And we as the church in the West have so much to learn. We've got to catch up faster with what the Father is doing, not what culture is doing. Not what politics is saying. Not what traditions are saying. We need to catch up with the heart of the Father and give him our heart and our allegiance. So we have a quick interview. And by the way, they, had a, they couldn't even go to the nearest place to be baptized. They had to sneak them into the camper van, take them to the ocean, the nearest ocean that they could find, and uh, baptize them there in fear of anybody else in the camp who saw them, who might be from their background, would obviously know that they're Christian Christ followers and the, their, circumstance, their circumstances are already hell on earth anyway, the conditions that they're living in, food with mice pellets over them and rat pellets over it, um, water and washing and water and drinking the water in the same place. This is in France, not India. And so the reality is that they had to go to a beach far away to, just so that they can sleep at night in the horrendous conditions that they're sleeping. So I want your hearts to be filled. There's a, I hopefully we have an interview with Michelle and Nigel just explaining. Nigel, tell, me, tell us what happened today. Yeah, so the guy came over to me at the camper today and uh, spoke virtually no English and asked me if how he could be baptised. And to be honest, I thought, uh, I, I thought to myself, I really can't pick this up wrong. Um, so we went backwards and forwards with Google Translate several times. And I asked him, are you sure you're asking me how you want to be baptised to be a Christian? And eventually we established that yes, uh, he was right. He was 100% right in what he was saying. So at that stage I thought I'd better call in the reinforcements. And Michelle got involved. So Nigel came called me in and uh, sat down with the two fellas and we started talking through Google Translate. They were very clear that they were Christians and they said about the difficulties. Um, you know, being Muslim and converting to Christianity and that they wanted to be baptised, definitely wanted to be baptised. So then we put a plan in place and decided that we would um, bring them in the camper van to the beach um, and baptise them. And then it's all about, I'm a bit speechless still, to be honest with you, it's been amazing. Um, they, turns out then we found out <laughs> on the way back from the baptism that it was just today that their friend had led the three of them to Jesus literally today and um, we prayed with them, read some scripture, we had communion together and then we took them down to the beach and baptised them. So uh, 
we're, we're very blown away. So continue to pray for them. And uh, yeah, yeah. Um, now in the spirit of good Irish hospitality, we're all going to have a bit of feed together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to have. Uh, here's Diane. Ah, yeah. <laughs> we're talking to. We're just talking to VCD, I think. Oh, the VCD. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, one of the friends that we have here today has just shown me a picture of the food that they're getting at the jungle and it was covered with mice pills <laughs> so he's very happy to eat no with way. us today oh my goodness so. that's awful mm -hmm. all right so we're gonna do community we're going to have a, a vcd community um nigel's gonna plant a church here in dunkirk i think you told me that earlier didn't you know? yeah yeah that's, a, <laughs> that's, that's the plan, plan. Yeah, that's yeah. the plan we just need to work out how that's gonna happen okay see ya bye so good eh So what a, what a great family to belong to, isn't it? Here, near and far. Whether it's India, whether it's in Dungannon, whether it's in Dunkirk, it's just about lining our hearts up with the Father's heart and doing the stuff of the kingdom. That is Bible stuff, isn't it? That's just brilliant Bible stuff. They could just give their yes to Jesus that day. Obviously, there's conversations going on before that with, with the man that's sort of leading them up and the guy that started the house church. He's obviously father in the kingdom and he's brought these three men to jesus it's slightly cheating is it like can you do that give your life to jesus and get baptized on the same day is that is that legal yeah okay well, i'm happy with that are you happy with that great so am i right let's um before we give our offerings and our tithes you um why don't we pray for these guys that are out there and uh, why don't you stand just change your posture again as we pray and I can't, I mean, I can't tell you how, uh, without sounding cheesy, how proud I am to lead this, this family and this drive. drive is, it's beautiful. Beautiful. Anyway, before we give back to God, and as you're preparing your hearts to do that, if you're wondering what we do with money, uh, we don't drive Cadillacs or have helicopters or jets. We do stuff like this. We do stuff like this. So I encourage you to be generous and live beyond the commercial dream and give to the kingdom. The investment is outweighs what you can hold, touch, feel. Father God, you've been so good. We're, we're reminded by singing again that you've been so good to us, God, all our lives, all our dreams, through the good and the bad, the storms and the fires in our lives. God, you've been constant source of love and kindness. And so we pray for the team in Cali today, God. We thank you for those men that have uh, been baptized in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit into the beautiful family of Triune God. God, we pray your power on them. We pray your, your, your safety over their lives, God. I pray that they would know freedom physically, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally, God, today. That because of you and their life, God, that their journey is better. Not trouble-free, but because you're at the center of their lives right now, God that it's a better place to be. And God, would just remind us again what it is to say yes to you and your kingdom. God, I pray that it wouldn't be some religious duty or something harsh or hard, but that we would be excited and thrilled by the adventure of the kingdom of heaven that we have the opportunity to engage with. And so we give back to you, God, with generous hearts, willingly. We choose, we set our will to this, given and to be generous people. I pray that this church 
this family, Vineyard Church on Gannon, would be known as generous, compassionate people. I pray this in the strong name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Why don't we prepare and give if the offering baskets are going around. Save us any time. We're going to jump into our conversation this morning. Try and get you out in good time. Um, we've entitled the summertime, we've entitled the summer of love, focusing in on the love of God and in the love that he has for us and we have for him and we have for humanity. And I guess even what I've been talking about this morning is probably the best sermon that, you've, that we've preached over the, the summer has been in our streets and in Cali and in, in India. That's a message of the gospel. It's not just preached by words, but actually there has to be a, a practical element to it. We have to do something with it. John Wimber used to say, he's an American, so he gets away with it. He used to say, the meet us on the street. What he was saying is actually that's where the reality is. That's where it happens, that we come here on a Sunday morning. We open up the ancient scriptures, which is menu. But for that to take root in our lives and for, for it to have any power at all, then we have to engage practically and live it out in our everyday ordinary. And that's why one of the beautiful things I love about Vineyard. And so we have had some people speaking. I've been away. I had been ill also and missed a week. I hate missing church. It just feels strange for me. I'm not religious, but it just... I love being with family on Sunday morning, wherever that is. And so we had the bold Johnny Burney, and then we had um, Davy Moyer, spoke about love. Um, love is all it is. You must have been watching the Beatles the night before, and it's inspiration. All you need is love. And then we had Andy Young, and I've listened to all the talks, and I absolutely loved them. And then we had our only guest speaker over the summer, which was last week, and that was young Benjamin from Denmark, and he did a terrific job too. So you guys have been well looked after, and I haven't spoke for four weeks. Have you been okay? No answer. Okay. And so this morning, I want to continue that by loving God, and I want to talk about worship this morning. And the reason I want to talk about that, because I was listening to Davy's talk, and he was talking about worship and intimacy, and I was listening to Colin share his story, and I think Anne was sharing her story. I think it was Anne. It was a soft Scottish accent, and uh, so I'm assuming it was Anne, as I was listening to it online. Uh, and it really captivated my heart about, yeah, this is our love for God is expressed through worship, and this is central to all that we do. And so I want to say to you, if you're new to Vineyard or new to the, this church or this family, this, the part that we do at the start is not just a warm-up act so that the preacher comes up and speaks. Actually, the part at the start is where we're headed. Worship is the goal. And God's not just looking for worship. He's actually looking for worshipers. It says that God's eyes are running all over the earth today seeking worshipers. Those who would worship him in spirit and in truth. So he's, that's the goal. It's not just a warm-up. It's actual start, finish, middle. It's everything that we are. It's all about worship. But then I also thought that I just assume sometimes preachers and teachers and leaders and we get together and we go to conferences and we talk a different language from everybody else. We're weird people. We, we talk and we, we assume that everybody is on the same page as us because we get up in the morning and we read these books and we read blogs and we talk to each other and we're in this weird bubble. We're weird fish swimming in the sea. And then I, I, I sometimes think, well, that's not, sometimes you have to have a reality check as a preacher and a teacher and a leader. You've got to say, where's the people at? Where are we at? And that's why we try to be as, as, as much intentional with the, as much sorry, intentionality as we can. We try to be fast, fluid, and flexible here in the vineyard. When something happens, if a crisis happens, we don't talk about faith and vision. We talk about pain. If stuff is 
needing to dress, we talk about that because this is not some sort of fixed, static product. This is actually fluent. This is people. This is relationship. This is all relational. And we're family, right? So it's important to know where your tribe are at, where your family are at, where your people are at. And so the other thing is, it's probably a disadvantage in some ways, but an advantage in many, many ways. I grew up, as I say, in a Pentecostal charismatic background where worship and singing songs to Jesus was just part of our, our services. And sometimes they would go on for an hour singing, right? And sometimes, I remember in evening times and evening services, the preacher would stop preaching and they would lift all the chairs away. We're going to do it straight after I speak this morning just to prepare you for it. We're moving all the chairs and then we'll get the band up and they would bring flags up. Um, we have a thing about flags, right, in this country. So they bring flags up with doves and crosses and crowns on them, so it's all cool, right? And then we would dance around the place, and then sometimes we would really, it's, yeah, it's going to be good, isn't it? This morning's going to be good. And then sometimes we'd get really wacky, and we'd run, dance out the front door and dance around the building. So I, it's going to be awkward, because we're going to have to go up Church Street Avenue and then Market Square, and, but it, it's it's going to be fine. If you have children, just keep an eye on them and make sure they don't go out in the road this morning. Just joking. Relax. Relax. And so that was my background. But then I'm thinking people come here from different traditions and backgrounds. And, and we, we, we just start off. We get you in. And somebody hits a guitar, presses a key. And we expect you all to hands up, eyes closed, look intense and worship Jesus. All right? But we're not all there yet. And so this morning, I want to help you if I can. My preaching is slightly different this morning, or teaching, or sermon, or talk, or conversation, whatever you want. I call it a conversation, but it's a one-way conversation. I'm well aware of that. And uh, so the, um, my, my point today is that I'm not going to take you on just a sort of big ideas. I'm actually going to take you in a pattern today. I'm actually going to try and form some process this morning. So we're going in a sort of this way. I usually go that way. As people follow me on PowerPoint, well, no. Um, so anyway, I'm going to talk about worship. Worship. I have a friend, good friend called Alan Emerson. Brilliant guy. Brilliant guy. Beautiful leader. He heads up 24-7 uh, Ireland in our, um, in our country. And uh, he's just a good friend of Vineyard. Uh, he wrote a book all about pain and death. Um, he lost his wife years ago. Beautiful, beautiful friend, beautiful soul, beautiful follower of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And um, he was telling the story recently. He's got a seven-year-old called Annie, and that's his oldest child. And uh, Annie was sitting in the car with him, and she said, um, I don't know if any of you can relate this, but she said, Daddy, I've got a question for you. And it might sound a wee bit bad. And he said, go for it, Annie. He said, tell me. He said, do you know this worship thing? And I said, yeah. He says, I know this sounds terrible, but... Do you not think God's a wee bit greedy? This is seven. Some of you are asking that question at 37 and 47, right? You know, like, I, I, know, I, know, I know it sounds terrible, but is, is God just not a wee bit greedy? He wants people to come and sing to him every week and every Sunday morning. And so we're going to answer Ali's question this morning. Is God greedy? Why do we worship? Why do we come here on a Sunday morning? Why do we, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, why do we do that? Why do we raise our hands? What's, what's that about? You know, you look at people's side and you see them, and then you see people on the ground and they're prostrate and you're thinking, what is happening? Are they having a meltdown? Are they okay? What in the earth is happening here at the vineyard? So I'm going to try and address that this morning to help us engage with that so that you feel free and that you feel that you could maybe, maybe, maybe go there too sometime. 
So the thing is that in the Bible, we see a God who doesn't need our worship, but actually loves our worship. He's not a greedy God. He actually loves our worship. We, we worship, this is really why we're worshiping, because we're created in the image of God, right? In the image of God, we are created. He's the source of all beauty. He's the source of all beauty, love, and holiness. It's all good. There's nothing corrupt about it. There's nothing marked or tinged or stained about God's love. God is a good, good father. We sang about that this morning. He's been so good this. We'll sing about his love and his goodness the rest of our lives, and therefore sometime more with our resurrected bodies. But he's captivated our hearts, and we're captivated by beauty and holiness. So therefore, I would say, when you get around God, because he's holy and he's pure, and he lives in relationship, because he... he absorbs and creates and gives and captivates beauty and holiness, then you'll find your fulfillment in God when you worship. You'll find contentment in God. It's, it's just like, a, oh, this makes sense. Is that, is that helpful? There's a, there's a fulfillment. There's contentment. It's, the scripture says how he sets our hearts at rest in his presence. First John tells us that. There's, a, there's this, because God is beautiful, and when we see beauty and we see contentment and we see the holiness and we see his loyal love, then the natural response is to worship is to worship. Let me, maybe you're not picking that up, but let me help you. There's a guy called C.S. Lewis, and he helps us with that. And, and so, if we're taking, if you're taking notes this morning, it's a cue. If you're taking notes this morning on your phone or your iPad or pen and paper, whatever you're doing, because this is so helpful this morning. If you're taking notes, then the first thing about, about worship is, and this might sound cheesy, but I couldn't find another word for it, is it's just, Wow. Whoa, it's wow, it's like ah, beauty, holiness. When you, when, you, when you see the goodness of God, when you see the beauty of God, when you encounter God, it should make you go, wow, wow. I get it now, it makes sense. Now, when Jesus, like, I'm quoting Davy Moyer again, have you ever met Davy, the Scottish guy? Yeah, can you understand him? Yeah, sometimes. Davy always says to me, like, go away. Davey always just, just randomly come out. You're in a conversation with somebody, and you're introducing somebody to Davey for the first time. And sometimes he comes out with this random quote, which I quite like. He just turn around and say, isn't Jesus amazing? With a Scottish accent, that was terrible. Jesus is the best thing. You know, he would just say that to people. And I would, and like, I'm a pastor, and I'm like, I'm cool with it, but tone it down a little, you know? But it, it's like that when we encounter Jesus, we just say, ah, you're right, Jesus is amazing. I was talking about C.S. Lewis, who so he helps us with this. He says this, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consumption. He's a very clever guy. What he means by that, it's, it's the fulfillment of joy. It's the peak of joy. It's the climax of joy. It's the fulfillment of joy. That's what he means by that consummation. Does that make sense? Give me a yes or a no. Good. It's not out of com compliment. It's not a greedy God. It's not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it is expressed. Let me help you with that. All the married people in the room, are you here? Yeah, yeah, you will be. Woohoo! in a minute when I tell you about this. Can you imagine your wife walks down the stairs and she's drop dead gorgeous? Like she's drop dead gorgeous all the time, right? But this particular evening, she's drop dead gorgeous, right? You've put the bin out, you've done all the prep. All right, do you know where I'm going? This is an adult conversation. Please keep your kids in children's church. 
But can you imagine that you know, she looks radiant, she looks, uh, and, 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 and for the guys, the, the, there's something going through your, your veins, it's called testosterone, right? You know that? Are you aware of that? A bit of pharmacist in the house? <laughs> Ali, could you explain after I finish the conversation what I'm talking about? And, uh, but you see here, you feel the surge, sorry, you f- let's, let's make it romantic, I'm very clinical. The surge of love throwing through your, blowing through your body, and, and you don't get to express it. You don't say a word and there's no response. That's a waste. There's no response. See, the delight is incomplete till it's expressed. Relax. I'm going to take you on a different example now. <laughs> we went down to the west coast of Ireland the other week, and um, don't judge me on this one, but there was some... We were staying in Kong. One of my favorite movies is The Quiet Man. I think it's a movie I've watched more times than any other movie. Anybody ever seen The Quiet Man? <coughs> Woman of the house, where's my tea? It's my favorite line back home when Michelle's away. I practice it when she's away. <laughs> and like here, I've been on my, hey, 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 let's be family here, church. Sometimes there is a little bit of, uh, you need sometimes rebuked and corrected as a church. And I feel it's my job to do that this morning as the father of this house, to be Pentecostal about it. It's called... I've been on my own all week, looking at the oven, thinking, how does it work? (laughs) Not one phone call, not one text, not one WhatsApp. Jason, how's it going? I see Michelle's away. Is there anything that we can do for you, like bring you in and then take away? There's people actually live across the road from us who know my wife is away. There's like three or four families that belong to this church who live directly across the road from us. They wouldn't need to get in the car. They could walk across the street, provide me and my dog. And wonder maybe if my children, if they're in the house with food, but that hasn't happened since. So we got to get better at community and family. Let's park that one. <laughs> Woman of the house, where's my tea? Come. So we're, one day we said, I, I had a bad chest infection too. I wasn't feeling, it was not myself, as they say. And uh, so Michelle said, what do you want to do? So I looked up what there was to do around the place. There's very little to do around the place. There's your fishing and stuff. But there was a, I have a, Weakness that I like single malt whiskey. And there was a new distillery. So we headed up and we decided to go with Google. And Google took us up a mountain. I mean, a mountain. And I said, there's no way this is a road. So we got up this mountain and it was breathtaking. Have you been to the west coast of Ireland? And I'm waiting for the, you know, like up here where we're just a bit slower with the tourism thing. And... um, but up here, you get signs saying, scenery. There's not a sign saying scenery. It's just every time you turn a corner, it's just, wow, wow. It's just breathtaking. It's just, it's exceptional. It's just the creator's masterpiece at hand and to the eye. It's just absolutely breathtaking. And all I could say was, wow. But could you imagine seeing all that and being on your own? You, you want to express it. I tried videoing it, tried to watch, you know, put it on a video, you know, like on a phone, that type of thing getting really technical now. I tried to video it, just wouldn't do it justice. Uh, beautiful, beautiful, stunning scenery. And not being able to, co- to communicate that. You see, the, the delight is incomplete until it's expressed. For some of you, it might be something simple like putting a hobnob chocolate digestive into a cup of tea. It's brilliant, isn't it? It's like, wow. Or for some of us who are a bit more cultured, like myself, who love and are passionate about football, um, 
and just winding. Uh, we, we, we watch matches, and I'm in a WhatsApp group, and, and we watch matches. And one of the best matches we watched this year was Spurs in the semi-final against Man City. Remember that game? Like, what, what was that not like? I'm talking to my friend here, Mal, because he's a Spurs fan, and he's probably dealing with the hurt of it, but I'm bringing it back up again. But it was like, it was a wow moment. And so we're on this WhatsApp, and we're just like, we're all watching it in our own houses, but having a conversation. Did, did anybody else do that in WhatsApp groups? And it's just watching football, having conversations. Because it was just wow. It was just like, but could you imagine, like, you've probably not been able to imagine this one, but the delight and the, the, this incomplete until it's expressed. Bad example. Put it in my notes. But it's like, it's like you've got to express it. Lewis goes on to say, it's not out of compliment that the lovers keep on telling one another the beauty, how beautiful they are, the delight again, it's incomplete till it's expressed. If you've never encountered the love of God and been fulfilled by his love, then you know what? I'm going to be totally honest with you this morning, and time's really getting ahead of me probably, that here's the gig. I'm going to tell you as a pastor, as somebody who's been around church for a long time, been in church since I was born, worshiping, charismatic churches, all-night prayer meetings, all that sort of stuff. I want to tell you something that's so, so true, and it'll be helpful for you. If you do not encounter, open your life out to the beauty and the wow of God, then worship is boring. It makes no sense of it. You can't make sense of it. You'll be saying, when is this over? 20 minutes, and they're still standing. Why does that idiot got his hands in the air for? There's somebody lying down. Are they okay? You, it, it just... You, and you put it down to your personality type. You know what? It's just my tradition. It's just my background. It's just who I am. It's not, it's not the personality I am. I don't really express myself in worship. We'll put it down to all sorts of terms. We'll put it all down to all sorts of excuses. We'll, we'll get bored. Unless you really encounter the beautiful, breathtaking person of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and his goodness and his kindness, until this becomes a relationship and no longer religion, until this becomes no longer polite but intimate, until this becomes the reality of your life, this person who is breathtaking, who is Jesus, who transforms your life, he's amazing and he's brilliant, until you have an encounter with Jesus Christ of Nazareth, then worship is boring. But when we encounter the loyal love and the purity and the holiness of the triune God, when we're captivated by his love and his heart, then worship is something to be said and expressed. And it's wow. You have to express it to complete the joy. Does that make sense? Oh, you got to taste and see, the psalmist said, that God is good. The experience of God leads to the natural conclusion of worship. Some more from our friend C.S. Lewis. It is frustrating to have disordered, or sorry, to discover a new author and not being able to tell anyone how good he is. We share a, an author, Malcolm Gladwell. We talk about his books, don't we? I discovered him, now you discovered him. And so it's good. I do have other friends outside Malcolm, by the way. <laughs> it's ex or or um, to come suddenly at the turn of a road upon some mountain valley of unexpected grandeur like the west coast of Ireland, and then to have it kept silent because the people with you care for it no more than for a tin can in the ditch. Or what about this? This is Sitsos. C.S. Lewis was Irish after all. To hear a good joke and find no one to share it with. How many of you hear a good joke and you say, you know what? I'm going to tell that joke as if it's my own. Huh? Now, can I just, can I just um, back up a little? If you're doing it, make sure hear the words, good joke. Okay? <laughs> he goes on to say, is any, anybody from a Presbyterian background in the room today? I won't embarrass you. Give me a wave. Catechism says this, that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. 
right? Lewis goes on to say, but we shall then know that these are the same thing. Fully to enjoy is to glorify. In commanding us to glorify him, God is inviting us to enjoy him. Christian faith is not doom and gloom, people. It's not rules and regulations. It's about enjoying a beautiful God. He is the beautiful God. He's so good. So worship is a natural expression of completedness. It's being complete in God. It's a, ah, it makes sense. See, what happened in the Garden of Eden, we had this overflowing perfect love for this trying good. It was holy. It was pure. It was right. There was no taint or stain about it. And then the fall, it messes it all up. And what we had with this sinful, selfish acts of worship, then we wanted to, people say we wanted to become like God. No, 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 we didn't. Adam and Eve didn't want to uh, just sort of mimic God because God actually said that he made them in the, his image. So they were mirroring God anyway. Does that make sense? No, I know they weren't God, so relax. But what man wanted, they didn't want to just be like God. They wanted to be God. And we do too sometimes, right? We want to take care of our own life, take charge of our own life and say, you know what, two fingers up to you, God. I'm going to do it my way regardless. You know, I've got some beliefs that I'm Christian, but I'm Christ follower, but. Uh, and we live like that. And what happens in that, we, we, um, we wanted to become God and, we, and that broke us. It broke some things inside of us. It broke humanity. You don't need me to tell you, but I'm going to tell you that we are broken people. Humanity is broken emotionally, relationally, spiritually. When we worship, we come to the realization that we are not God. And then we're not living in the way that God created. So the second thing is, the first part of worship is wild. The second part, is just the natural follow-on again, and the progression is worship is sorry. Worship is sorry. We're changing. When you worship God, when you see him in his likeness, when you see him who he really is, you, your heart is lined up with his heart. And all of a sudden, it's not this God with a, a wrath or a stick to beat you up. It's actually, you see your father. You see your father, you remember who you are, and we start to change. It's this kindness that leads us to repentance. It's this kindness that changes the way that things. We're broken, and so, therefore, I think that God doesn't need worship. I think sometimes, and this sounds a bit, I don't like saying it, but I'm going to say it. We need worship. It changes us. When we see him, we say, we're sorry. I need you, Jesus. His kindness leads us to repentance. I ha I'm a father of three boys, and they've been known to misbehave throughout their boyhood and manhood. But you see, when they're around, Michelle and I, it's just like it's comical, you know. I don't mind telling this story because he's not here and I haven't asked his permission. But one time, Caleb was out playing with his mates and Caleb is not his real name. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he never listens to me anyway online, so it's cool, like, so don't go telling him. So one night he came in from the house, right? And he came into, into our living room and he ran up the stairs and he went straight to bed. And I thought, you tell me, Caleb. So I said, hey, Caleb, come down. And he comes down and he can't look at me in the eyes. And he says, son, what's wrong? And he just starts to weep. And he says, like, you're not going to believe that a child of a pastor would do this, okay? So please, don't judge me. <laughs> said, Dad, I was running around the park and I was saying bad words. So, it's when, when we see the Father, we change. We're sorry, aren't we? Because that's family, and that's what he does. I must be tired. I'm an emotional wreck this morning. And then the natural again, the, the, when we move from woe and sorry, it takes us to this place because 
the part of changing your life is not that God wants you to conform to some religious sort of system. He actually wants to heal your life. Do you know that God is good? And he, he, we think that sometimes, you know, I don't want to give my, I don't want to surrender my life to God. I want to keep this part of it. I want to put this, you know, just keep a wee room here or put a wee, a wee thing here. When we were kids too, we used to, did you ever have magic holes? No? Must have been a day thing. It's great. Where you had, you had treasure, like a box of matches or a coin or something. And then you dug a hole, kept the sod, and you put your treasure on the ground and you put your, the grass over it. Then you came back and your mate nicked it. We, we, we think that that's what God's like, you know, we, we give him something that he, he'll steal it or, if, you know, he'll take it on us. He'll take the good things, the treasure things, but ah, no, he just takes the rubbish and the stuff that's really destroying our lives and he gives us beauty and he heals our lives because God is good and he can't be trusted. Listen, I've been following Jesus Christ now for I don't know how long. So I'm not one of these pastors with a testimony. You know, he robbed banks and at the age of four and was doing drugs at the age of seven, and all that stuff. I mean, I haven't been good all my life, but I don't have a time and a date when I said yes to Jesus. So does that make you nervous as part of this church? I have a relationship with Jesus. I love him. He's in my heart. He's in my life. He's my Savior. He's my God. But I don't have that moment. But I can tell you this, that the stuff that I've kept hasn't been the good stuff. It's been the stuff that screwed my life up, nearly wrecked my marriage, never been the good stuff and the stuff that he gives helps me to stand here today with a good wife great family great place to live in Tyrone and a wonderful church friends and and life all because I choose to say yes to Jesus faster because he heals us and we need worship we get rid we get our hearts and our eyes set on him and he comes and he sets our hearts at peace in his presence like I talked about. That's how truth comes. It sets our hearts at rest. And he heals us. And what does he heal us of? Let me, this might sound a bit theological, but it might sound a bit superficial, but it's not. Stay with me. He heals our love or our loves. And what I mean by that? There's a guy called St. Augustine. He said that love is, that sorry, sin is love turned in on itself. And what worship does, it rightly orders our loves, the affections of our hearts. At the core of who we are, we're lovers of God, right? We're not brains on sticks. Sometimes Christianity looks more like an intellectual philosophy than it is relational and people that love. You know, <clears throat> we're not against everything. We're, we're lovers of God. We're not known for what we're against. We're known for who we belong to and because of our love. Jesus, you know, it says, how will you know that you're my, my disciples? Bible tells us by your love for one another. We're lovers of God and lovers of men. That's how you know you're a follower of Jesus Christ. It can't be measured. It definitely can't be measured. So that's the image that we're created in. So we're just not brains or some intellectual. Therefore, our hearts get attached to things. And we need to realize that we're more defined by what we love than what we actually believe or think. Do you know that? So we have belief systems. We have thinking strategies. We have... Um, best practices and theory in your workplace, in your family life, in your culture, in your politics, in every sphere of your life, you have thoughts, you have belief system, but you're defined by, by love. And, and it's not actually just by what you believe, it's, it's what you actually love, it's what gets your hearts. And we've had this conversation about allegiance when I talk about Jesus as Lord. The kingdom coming means that all our kingdoms are going. 
the kingdom of consumerism, the kingdom of me, the kingdom of selfishness, the kingdom of whatever it is, sectarianism, ism, whatever the ism is, consumerism, pluralism, whatever it is, it needs to go. That's what the kingdom common means, that all kingdoms need to go. And so you see that Christ and his kingdom, it demands our allegiance above everything else. So, so what is our hearts attached to? That affects most of our loves. It's governed by our actions and our pursuits. Right, we gather here on a Sunday, every Sunday, right? How many talks do you remember? No, you're panicking, aren't you? I'll look at this here. How many talks? What's, what's your favorite talk? Just shout it out. What about the one I did, I think it was eight weeks ago? Brilliant talk. Spent something like 72 hours on it. Changed your life. You remember? Just think back to those eight weeks ago. Do you remember that line that I said? It transformed your life? What was it again? So I, I forget. What was it? Jesus, God, right? Oh, no, you're showing off. She is friggin' showing off. Well, I have to say also, she's also from Derry or Donegal. So, like, it's a given that she would be much more intellectual than the rest of you and but switched on. Uh, but, but, yeah, but let me be honest, guys. That we, we usually hear stuff on a Sunday, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say you agree with it because we open up the ancient scriptures, and we might not agree with everything I say, but for the majority of it, I'm just going to presume that you agree with it. But when it comes to Tuesday, are you practicing it? Are you living it? Has anything changed? Usually, for me, when I'm preaching and teaching, even the stuff that I'm going over, by Tuesday, I forgot it. And I'm, on to, I'm thinking the next Sunday's coming fast. And all I'm saying is our natural inclinations and reflexes are pretty much the same to everybody in the world around us because... What our souls are tied to actually influences them the most. What your soul is tied to actually influences you the most. So you may agree with me. You may be uh, uh, opening up ancient scripture and saying, you know, that's absolutely brilliant. But your soul and your heart is connected to something that's contrary to what we're talking about. And it's going to one all the time. It's going to one all the time. So what happens is that we need to, when we're worshiping Jesus, we're where this disordered love comes back into order. Comes back into order. Again, C.S. Lewis says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because I can see everything else. Love it. And seeing Jesus, then our love is reordered. I love all our things rightly, and I love the goodness, and I love everything around me. I love coffee. I love single malt whiskey. I love the west coast of Ireland now. Um, I love, I love Indian curries. I love all, I love many, many things in life. I love the Swifts. I love, sometimes, I love Liverpool. They're probably first, no, not first in my heart. They're about third or fourth. Jesus, God, Michelle. Okay, and family. And so, we, we, when, when, when I get my love right for God, then I can appreciate everything else and everything else gets put into its place. Does that make sense? So it's not that we're rubbish in desire or things that are good in our lives. I'm not saying from now on your only world is church world and Christianity and the only thing you should be reading is a Bible, no fiction books, no watching TV, no watching Netflix, no watching anything. You know what? You can, if you get God right, if you give him the first place in your life, then you can settle everything into where it should be. Are you with me? So where are we at? We've got the wow factor. We've got the sorry. We've got the healing. And now we've got We've got this, yeah, we've got this healing, and it takes us to this place. When we get all that together, we're nearly done. This is my last point. Worship is wow. Worship is sorry. Worship is healing. Worship is yes. What do I mean by that? When we come to this place where we're at the wow, when we realize we're not who we are and what we should be, when we confess, when we get healed, when we say yes to the Father, well, then we want our hearts to line up with the Father's heart. Well, the yes part is 
just that we submit our hearts to him. Not only is our love reordered, but this, is, this, is, this might be something that you've never heard before in worship. Our authority is also reordered. What I mean by that, this just sounds, have I gone off the deep end? No, trust me. Then our, our authority is rightly ordered. Part of being created in the image of God is not just to reflect his love, but actually to rule with him, to reflect how God rules on the earth. And that by ruling, I don't mean some heavy taking over the world. I mean humbly serving humanity, loving your neighbor as yourself. That's what it means. To have, we have authority. Let me expound to you, but Psalm 8 says that we're, you know, our life's short, but then it goes on to say that we are crowned with glory and honor and we're given authority to rule. You can read that for yourself. Who is man? The psalmist says. He's like grass. But he's crowned with glory. So Jesus, as the original design for our loves, when we get that, when, when, when we get the original design for our loves, when we get Jesus first, then we, we, we get the original authority is rediscovered. We get, we get who we are, why we're put on this earth. When our hearts are submitted to Jesus, then we're, we're reminded that we're originally created to rule with him, to, to steward his good purposes. Let me say it another way. We're here to cause the word to flourish. All right? So when you hear the word authority, it's not some military word. It's actually to cause the world to flourish with our kindness, with our love and our sacrifice. You saw it on the video. No words, no song, no nothing. Three men walking out of the sea, right? How many of, that, how many of you felt emotionally affected by that? And it's not about emotions, but frig me. We, well, can I say that? Sorry. <laughs> That's terrible. I lost it on myself. You're not... You're, you're created body, soul, and spirit. You should feel stuff. Any Christian that tells you, any Christian leader or any Bible teacher tells you that, that the Christian faith has nothing to do with feeling, then, and, and ask them, what is righteousness, peace, and joy all about? It's a feeling. It's emotional. So you felt that, right? But why did you feel that? Why did you, what was happening in your life? Because you saw people go out to Cali who were created in the image of God, who are lovers of God, who are out there with an authority, and Jesus Christ with a mandate to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth through feeding and clothing those who have had their lives destroyed and who have been at a disadvantage and who've just been born in the wrong side of the country, in the wrong side of the world, at a moment in time in history. What has happened in that time, you see somebody who's got their lives and their loves reordered, that they take out their time, they go there, they travel there, and they, they, they rule with God. That's what it looks like. So it's not some military strategy that the church has taken over the world. It's loving and serving people in kindness and humility. Does that make sense? You saw a picture of that this morning. So I want you to remember that when you hear authority. You see, when we don't have, if we don't have our love set right, let me say this. If we don't have our love set right, if we don't have our priorities set right, if there's no healing in your life, if there's no confession in your life, if there's no yes in your life, then authority becomes abusive. We've seen it throughout history. You've seen it in families. You've seen it in church life. You've seen it in politics. You've seen it in the world. You've seen it in schools. You've seen it in all environments where there is an authority without love and without healing and completeness, then authority becomes a dirty word. It becomes abusive. It's not authority. It becomes authoritarian. You don't become a lover. You become somebody who's just authoritarian. And that's not where we're headed. When we're submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, it doesn't become destructive. It doesn't become destructive. It becomes beautiful. 
So all that to say this morning is that there is a, this is not prescribed worship, by the way, but I think there is a, there's a way to come to God. There's a way to approach God. There's a way to engage with worship. And, and I want to try and help us this morning, just as we close up to, to do that. Psalm 100 says that we shout to the joy, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. There's a process of how we come to the place of encounter with God, what the old preachers talk about, the manifest presence of God, when we actually feel God. And I think there's a way, when, and I came from, a, again, a Pentecostal background, when we went nuts on this sort of stuff, you know, we, we would spend weeks and months going through the, the tabernacle of David and uh, and how it was set up in the tabernacle of Moses, how that was set up, and we would look for types and shadows. It just got weird, to be honest with you. And because of Jesus Christ, of course, you can worship God at any time and in any moment, can't you? As followers of Jesus, we have free access. But I think there's a process, and I want to give it to you very quickly. Shout to the Lord. So it's praise. We start off with praise. That's that wild thing again. We enter, uh, we come before Him with joyful songs, knowing that the Lord is God who made us, and we are... We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. We give thanks to him and we praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. So I think there's something in this psalm that gives us a pathway, that gives us a process of how we can give ourselves some worship to God. Why we come, why we do that, why we go through the wow and the sorry and the, and the repentance and the yes factor and the healing that's all mixed in that. And we can access God at any time. Yes, I know that, but... There is this sacrificial system of the temple, the sense of order in the Old Testament, that you just can't come anyway, that there is a way to come. And they went through this sacrificial system, and then they came to the Holy of Holies, and that's what we call intimacy, the place with the manifest presence where you can actually feel God's presence. Let me read you this here. I could talk forever today, couldn't I? It's bad giving me a few weeks off. Anne Lamott says this, I live for Sundays. I don't know if anybody can relate to this quote. It's like going to the spiritual, she talks about gas station, but you can think petrol station. They fill up on fuel and clean the dirty window screens and the mirrors. I, anybody, anybody connect with this? I show up nuts, self-obsessed, vaguely agitated. And I am at once reminded, not of who I am, but whose I am. Does anybody feel like that going to church? We used to have this saying, I used to say, come worshiping. Come worshiping, you know, don't, don't come to church worship to worship, come worshiping. But that, I know what your life is like. You've had a row in the car. She's never on time, right? Never. No matter what time she gets up at. Church starts at 11. And here we are. Five past 11. First song's going. We're agitated. You know, as preachers, we expect when that first strum of the guitar goes and that first key's pressed, that everybody's hands up, eyes closed, tiptoes, intense. <laughs> Let's do it. Oh, to be a Pentecostal sometimes. But we're not all like that. We've had a row the night before. It's been rubbish. You haven't slept well. You've got a pup. It's peeing all over the place and all that there sort of stuff. Not, yeah, anybody relate? And then you come in and it's just like, where am I? And this is the reason why we need this, I think, it's not prescriptive, but I think, I think God knows that we're fickle and we're easily distracted. Anybody easily distracted? Yeah? I, I am. 
It might be hard to notice, but sometimes I'm easily distracted. So we're fickle, and we, and we give thanks and praise, and in doing something, you see, when we do the, here's what I want to take you to. I'll just make it very plain and simple for you. There's a process sometimes in worship, and so there's this thankfulness in, as a response to his works. That's the wild thing. That's why we do praise stuff. That's why we sing songs about him. You know, Yahweh will shout your name, God. You're, you're good. You've got to declare something because you're agitated. You're distracted. And sometimes you've got to get your mind thinking in the wow again. You've got to bring your life back to the center of all. This is why we're here. It's God. He is worthy of it. He's, he's the wow thing. And the praise is a response to his nature, his character, his goodness. That's why we sing about him. That's why we talk about him. You know, the Hosanna, Hosanna. We, we're fixing our eyes that life makes sense in his presence. That Yahweh, we're singing about that. We're singing about his, his goodness and his faithfulness. We're, we're reminded that we're children of God this morning again, that we, we are who he says we are, and we're, we're set free and who the Son sets free. And we're going through that because there's a response to his goodness. And above all those wild bits, then worship is a response to his very presence. Does that make sense? The pathway is praise to get the wild, to get the, our place and our hearts and our minds centered on who he is again. When we get our hearts and minds centered on who he is again, then it brings us to a place of, yeah, you know what? I'm complete. Might have had a rubbish week. Things might have hit the fan. But I'm here. He's good. He's still God. Life hurts. I'm broken. She's late. But I'm here, and I see you, and I get you, and I need you. And he comes, and we say, you know what? I'm sorry. We repent again. He heals our brokenness. We abandon ourselves in worship. We abandon ourselves in worship. Do you know why you'd never hear about the sacrifice of praise or worship? Because when we do the sacrifice of praise and worship, we become the sacrifice. We put ourselves on the altar. We say, here I am, Jesus. You're all I need. You're all I want. The Bible talks about sacrifice of praise. It never talks about sacrifice of worship. If you do, you come, praise, adore, set your heart on him, then we become the sacrifice. And I've talked way too long. And I'm in big trouble when Michelle gets back. And she sees the time on this talk. Would you stand?